Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, dear listeners. This month on this program, we're giving attention to God's wonderful gift of wisdom. And we're doing so by having a closer look at some of the passages in the book of Proverbs in the Bible. In the process, we're also discovering the riches of some special days. Today, we want to concentrate on a day that commemorates what God did for his church almost 500 years ago. That day that is known by many Protestant churches as Reformation Day. It takes us back to October the 31st, 1517, when in a rather small town of Wittenberg, Germany, a monk named Martin Luther posted no less than 95 theses or statements on the door of the castle church there. And that church door functioned as a public bulletin board, and so it was a logical place to post important notices. Those notices, written in Latin, the language of the church, created a controversy between Luther and those allied with the Pope and the Church of Rome over a variety of doctrines and practices. It really signaled the beginning of what is known as the Protestant Reformation. That movement was instrumental in bringing people back to God's Word. That word which had largely become an unknown and unread document even for many churchgoers. For ritual and the adoration of relics as well as the worship of departed saints as and the sale of indulgences had taken over from what constitutes true biblical ways of worship. Buying indulgences supposedly freed the souls of departed loved ones from purgatory. There was a saying attributed to a German Dominican preacher named Johann Tetzel. As soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Martin Luther had become convinced that the sale of indulgences was simply wrong. Wrote Luther, indulgences are positively harmful to the recipient because they impede salvation by diverting charity and inducing a false sense of security. Indulgences are most pernicious because they induce complacency and thereby imperil salvation. It was the gift of salvation by God's grace alone that Luther had concentrated on as he had lectured on the book of Psalms as well as the book of Romans during the years 1513 to 1516. This he did after he was appointed professor at the University of Wittenberg. It was at this time that Luther discovered the true meaning, or as we could also say, the true wisdom of what the Bible means when it speaks of a righteous God. And when it speaks of that righteousness of which the apostle wrote in Romans 1 verse 17, there we read these words, 
For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. And here Luther quoted the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 4 of his book, The Righteous Will Live By Faith. You know, for a long time these words had been a mystery to Luther. When he thought of the righteousness of God, He thought of God's severe judgment, his condemnation of sinners like himself. He thought the only way to appease this awesome God was by leading a fear-filled life of doing penance daily, seeking only to pacify this vengeful God by means of good works, while living in poverty and punishing oneself over and over again. But then, Almighty God showed him what King Solomon in Proverbs 8 verse 20 called the path of justice or the path of righteousness. And he learned that to walk in righteousness, as Solomon called it, did not mean some fearful, constantly looking over one shoulder type of walk, anticipating God's sword of judgment. No, he learned from the Bible which is the gospel of salvation, as Paul writes in Romans 1.16, that God's righteousness, yes, does demand that sin be paid for. And yet at the same time, it involves the amazing grace of God sending his Son to die in the place of sinners. Sinners who believe the gospel and who trust that they are saved by God's unmerited favor, for that's what grace is. That's the clear teaching of the Bible. The gospel of salvation and eternal life is this, that it cannot be bought or earned. It can be received, however, in the way of faith. The sad truth is that in Luther's day, the people did not hear the gospel In fact, the Bible was kept from the majority of people for church authorities considered the masses unworthy to put their hands on such a holy book. As a consequence, superstitions were rampant, and people sought to escape the wrath of God by buying indulgences and by seeing the thousands of relics that were kept in many churches. But, says Proverbs, Wisdom walks in the way of righteousness along the pleasant paths of justice. As a parish priest in the village church, Luther knew himself to be responsible for the spiritual welfare of his flock. Frederick the Wise, who was Luther's prince and ruler of that part of Germany where Wittenberg was located, was a man of simple and sincere piety. He had devoted a lifetime to making Wittenberg the Rome of Germany as a depository of sacred relics. His collection was said to contain a thorn from the crown of Christ, certified to have pierced the Savior's brow. And this beside numerous other relics, supposedly having among them one piece of gold brought by the wise men, three of the myrrh, and one piece of bread eaten at the Last Supper. But Luther had come to realize that seeing the thousands of relics in Frederick's collection could do nothing to save a person. Only Jesus Christ can save. 
It is of him that the Apostle Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthians that he has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The churches that sponsored this broadcast teach and believe that the only way in which we can stand before God is if we are clothed in this righteousness, which only God can provide as a free gift to be received by faith. What a wonderful gift it is. It means as that by the satisfaction of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, he puts his pure and holy righteousness on the account of true believers. As if they never committed any sin, and they themselves had done what only Christ can do. That is, to satisfy the justice of God, who demanded right from the beginning of man's fall into sin, that sin must be paid for, says the scripture in Ezekiel 18, verse 20, the soul that sins must die. But Jesus Christ died that believers might have life, everlasting life everlasting life and joy in the presence of God in heaven and on a new earth when Christ returns. The sad, sad state of affairs is this, that many people appear to want to go back to the time when God's word was hardly known. Church attendance in this, our home and native land, is at an all-time low. There are even churches that appear to be bent on self-destruction as God's law is changed and human philosophies rule the day. Though there is a rich Christian heritage in this country and passages of God's word are inscribed on the walls of parliament buildings in Ottawa, and yet the name of Jesus Christ today may not be mentioned in public schools and other institutions. But that is not a way of wisdom, of justice, righteousness, and peace. That's not the way that liberates a church and ultimately a nation. May it be that there will be a return to God's word and to faith, to genuine faith founded on God's revelation, and to a wholesale embrace of the grace which only God can provide. How valuable is wisdom's counsel, and what a treasure do early seekers find. Indeed, God's wisdom, as Proverbs says, is more precious than rubies. Come, join us, or seek one of those faithful churches that rejoices in God's right, that you too may be wise and happy, and that it may go well with you. Amen. And may the God of grace show you his path of justice and of truth. And thank you so much for listening.